If you have your Bibles with you, I would ask you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And there the Apostle Paul brings forth um, some of the conclusions of the teaching of Christ and um, His person and His work upon the earth and the resulting blessing of the establishment and glory and um, development of His church. And in the New Testament, chapter 4, we... um, we hear then the word of God being proclaimed. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men in saying He ascended. What does it mean but that He also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature Manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, being joined and held together by every joint, which is which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And may God then add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word here in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul now comes to uh, somewhat of a transition in this book of Ephesians. Um, Ephesians is one of those great and wonderful small letters to the Ephesian Christians of whom the Apostle Paul had great affection and love for. Uh, 
he writes a very concise and small letter concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the supremacy of the Lord and the all-sufficiency of Christ in the gospel. And he does that so masterfully in the first chapters of, um, of Ephesians. I love the way it starts as he, he um, commends the work of God in the life of the Ephesian Christians. And then he talks about the centrality of Christ uh, in their life as believers and gives the Lord the glory uh, for the work that is being accomplished among his people there. But then he comes to uh, a section uh, where he moves toward application and he speaks then, therefore, of the necessary connection between uh, the work of our Lord in relationship to his church and uh, the establishment of his church and the nature of his church. And that is the passage we come to in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, it it begins in its application with a personal appeal. And that personal appeal uh, is very practical in nature. He speaks to them about the consequences of being a Christian and knowing Christ and being a part of his body, the church. And uh, he calls them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling in the Lord. He reminds them of who they are. I, therefore, a prisoner... For the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, that exhortation just in that sentence uh, appeals to us in a very direct way concerning the nature of the church. Um, if I were to ask you, what do you think about church? What is your impression of what church is, of who church is, and what it's all about? Uh, as you look into our culture today, I get the impression that there are many, even who name the name of Christ, who think very little of the church. It's quite interesting to me, that phenomenon. Um, I know that one is a Christian by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who love the Lord and are trusting in Him alone for salvation. But um, those who name the name of Christ, I, I will not doubt their profession of faith in the Lord. But one thing that I would say that if I had to judge their profession of faith by their understanding and involvement with God's people, it may lead you to have some questions about what they understand that it means to be a Christian. Because I believe that there is a necessary connection between trusting in our Lord as Savior and our relationship to one another as His people, as His church. I guess I'm just amazed at how the understanding of so many that the theology and the doctrine of the church has become so superficial to them. And um, it seems like that that is one of the characteristic spiritual issues of our day. We wonder why 
the church is not stronger than it is. We wonder why there is not more growth than we see. And some of that may be the need for believers, that is, those who profess Christ. I hope they're Christians who have a little view of the church. I hope that they are believers. I do, I do hope that. I don't see how, but I hope so, that they are trusting Christ as their Savior and that they do understand the eternal value of being a part of the church. Why is that such an important statement? Um, we are not the Masons. We are not the veterans of foreign wars. We are not the Shriners. We are not like a a number of good social organizations. We We are not that. The church, the distinguishing mark of the church is that the church is the product and result of the power of God and is designed for His glory and for His honor and to accomplish His work in the earth till He comes. You are therefore called the body of Christ. Isn't that an interesting expression to name the church? You are the body of Christ. When I think of that, I think of Him as the head. I think of His use of us as His people, as arms and legs and the doing and going and, and, and Him through us. And it is a privilege to be called the body of Christ. It's also a, a great honor to be called his bride. Notice the connection, inseparable connection between the bride and the bridegroom. There are interesting names given for the life of our Lord's church. And as we come to scriptures, we do well um, to not take lightly the result of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ in the life of his church. We do well to pay attention to the sacraments, to examine our lives and profess Him at the table. We do well to point people to Christ and toward the one baptism that is ours in Christ. We do well to pay attention to the practical exhortations of the Apostle Paul by the Spirit. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And notice the character of it. I, I noticed that in, in this, the, the call, but the, the gentleness, the mildness, the, the, spirit, the spirit of it in, in Christ is, is given. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, those are not characteristic words that you hear among many today. Oh, you know you have to be top dog. Oh, you know you have to be tough. You know you have to fight for what you want. You know you have to be strong. You know, I always find it interesting, almost inevitably when the world says do it this way, I almost inevitably look into Scripture and the Lord says do it differently. 
<laughs> I'm amazed. I, I, in the world, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And boy, you've really got to look out for number one. And then I turn to Scripture and then I hear the Apostle Paul speak. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling with all humility gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How, how amazing uh, the life to which we have been called as Christians. It is, a, it is a different way of life in the life of His church. The way we live before the Lord and the way we live in relationship to each other. It is an interesting life. And some may say, how in the world are you going to accomplish anything with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in the love of Christ? How in the world are you going to accomplish anything in that context? Can I tell you something? When a person is filled with the Spirit and in a manner of heart of gentleness and humility, this kind of heart, loving His church, the power of God is displayed in a remarkable way through that life as no other way of life in this world. It's quite amazing to see the work of the Lord in the life and the heart of His children. May the Lord grant us grace to see that the way things progress and the way things move is by God's work in us. in the way that he moves. And then he speaks of that unity. I've always been amazed um, at the body of, of Christ. Have you ever been placed within the context of a fellowship of believers in what you have just felt at home? Well, well, I have. <laughs> and one of those churches has been among you. Did you know that? You feel at home. You know what I'm talking about? I remember a dear friend in Roanoke, Virginia. He said, we have been visiting different churches. And he was a young man. And he had a wife and little girls. And it was quite interesting. He said, we came to church and the fellowship of the church was in Christ was special. I felt at home. I felt at ease. I looked at the basic things of what constitutes a church in terms of its the truth of the gospel and the Great Commission and the sacraments and those matters of the way it functioned. And I found those things to be in order. And he said, we just found a home. I like, I like that spirit, don't you? We found... A home. And of course, um, that's important in this day and time because visibly the church is fractured in so many different ways. Denominations, different views, different ways of looking at things, many gatherings. It's pretty amazing. As Paul talks about the unity of the church, there are seven expressions that Paul repeats right here in this context that speaks about the nature of the church. And by the way, in each one of the seven, there's a one <laughs> behind it. There's a sense of unity. There's a sense of uh, 
of togetherness. And I happen to believe that, uh, Pastor, how do you justify all the fragmentation of the church in this day and time over against what the Bible is teaching here in terms of its unity? Well, I certainly think that the visible church uh, uh, is in warfare. And many different churches who are churches of Christ are faced with warfare spiritually. Uh, The church in Afghanistan today is functioning a little different than we are here in Cross North this morning. I pray that you do not have to face such a day. I pray that the Lord will be with you as you relate to His people and you enjoy fellowship with His church under the circumstances in which you find yourself. We ought always to pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. That's one of the dangers of the pleasantries of materialism, isn't it? It can cause our hearts to become indifferent. It can kind of settle us into a, into a comfortableness to which we are, we are satisfied, not realizing that brothers and sisters throughout the world are suffering with, with great suffering great difficulty. I pray that the Lord will give you a heart for the work of the Lord, not just here at Fellowship Presbyterian Church, but for His church around the world. I pray, like Jimmy Mitchell told us for the first time he came to uh, our church about missions and the work of the Lord throughout the world. He said, I've come here tonight to talk to you about uh, foreign missions, and tonight it's not going to be foreign anymore. (laughs) And From that, he was exactly right because he got us involved in the things that the Lord was doing around the world, and I was amazed. I was amazed at God's work in his church around the world, and I pray that you will begin more and more to have a heart for his church around the world and to see those who do not know him to be saved through the work of the Lord through his church. And it's an amazing thing, however, to deal with it. There is one body... One spirit, just as you were called in to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And that's pretty amazing as the Apostle Paul makes that unity. And where is that unity found? That unity unity is found in Christ, uh, the fellowship that we enjoy that binds us together is the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, He pulls our hearts together. I've always wondered uh, how the Lord will pull together such a diverse congregation with so many different gifts. And it is by His work that He does so. We ought not to ever um, think lightly of the work of the Lord among His people. Because it's an amazing thing to watch God work in the hearts of a people, drawing them together in a fallen, a sinful, a difficult, a dispersed, a fragmented world, and He brings His people together. Isn't that amazing? That that should just absolutely floor you, that God brings His people together in such a world as that we presently live in. It's pretty amazing. Well, Lonnie, how again do you describe, how do you deal with all that fragmentation? Well, there are many reasons of why the church is fragmented. Some um, maybe are a part of reality and maybe another part of understanding. Um, 
I, I think Christians um, do at times, they think differently and they look at things differently and we have a way of being uh, sectarian, don't we? We have a way of being reductionist. Uh, in the mountains, let me put it this way, we tend to be clannish. <laughs> now, are you familiar with that word? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and, uh, well, it is so with us. But, you know, that there is, there is a unity in the Lord's church, in His invisible church, isn't it? If you are here trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ truly as your Lord and Savior, and He's truly redeemed you, you're a part of the true church, aren't you? The, the, the invisible church. Uh, that I, what I always say, it, it, the, the church invisible where true theology is taught. <laughs> and you can't always say that of the, of the visible church and its fragmentation in the world in which we live. And a part of our, part of our life is to have to navigate all that brokenness. Even as God's people, we have to navigate that, don't we? Um, and we ask the Lord to give us that heart of the heart of the invisible church. Lord, give us a heart for, for the true teachings of the Scriptures and of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we find ourselves out of a conformity with any of that which we discover with regard to your church invisible, Lord, uh, attune our hearts to those things. So uh, there, there is good explanation for why we face the things that we face in the world that we live in. But at the same time, we have just reason scripturally to proclaim the unity of Christ's church as given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, now, the nature of that unity is uh, just a little bit different than the world. Sometimes when people talk about unity, uh, they talk about uniformity, sameness. Now, it's quite remarkable the Lord doesn't work like that. It, it, remember what I told you? As soon as the Lord uh, it shows you something in Scripture, it's usually not the way the world does it. Um, I remember early part of Christianity. I was part of a, a Christian group in which the primary principle of expression of unity of the church was uniformity. You had to act like me, dress like me, look like me, and talk like me if I had fellowship with you. And can I tell you something? The Lord took that away from me right quick when I recognized uh, that God in His marvelous sovereignty accomplishes His unity through what? The diversity of the gifts that He gives to His people. And I have never been so amazed. I, I have loved that about Fellowship Presbyterian Church. I've been amazed at the gifts that God has given each one of you. And listen, you're all different. Did you know that? <laughs> if, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> you're the only one of you here. <laughs> and, and you are different. I mean, some of us are really different, but I mean, you're different. And, uh, you know, I love it. I love it that Christ, it almost is an expression of his creation, isn't it? Uh, that sovereignly he creates within unity, but within that unity, the beauty of diversity. Um, Patricia brought me a flower. And I, I, I'm, I'm just, I was just amazed over a flower. Uh, of the remarkableness of the way it was designed. And then I even look at the mountains, uh, the wildflowers growing alongside the road. I'm really going to miss that. The, the beautiful yellow, you remember the yellow flowers? And, and um, Galen, I remember the painting that you did of the little fuzzy white things. What are they called? Yes, that's it. 
I want one. <laughs> and uh, and they, they, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And, and, you know, I think that only truly a Christian can appreciate that. Uh, we're living difference in a day and time in which there's a great fallacy. The great fallacy of many today outside of Christ is the belief that if we just heal our environment and we make environment right for everybody, that everything's going to be great and perfect. Do you know that? That if we just healed... And now listen, I'm a great believer in uh, the commission that the Lord gave us, the cultural commission uh, from the beginning of time, that we should care for the culture which He made and the animals and all that He had made to be good stewards of that which He has given us. But do you know something? Uh, We can pursue this principle of making our environment pure for everyone. And did you know we would still mess it up as human beings? Why? We can make our environment just as pure as it can be. And we would still ruin it because we are sinners by nature. And that is our, that is our problem, our ultimate problem is the need for a changed heart and a changed perspective. I tell you as the church of Jesus Christ, those who are called His body, you have been called to represent Him in that gospel and in that ministry that is in Him to declare to a world that we need a change of heart, that people need to be delivered from the domain of darkness and their sin Uh, into new life in Christ. And it is when we come to that new life in Christ and a changed heart that we begin to do those things that God has called us to do outwardly. It is one who knows Christ who should be the greatest stewards of what God has given them. Do you know that? I believe that believers ought to be the greatest stewards of what God has given them. I think that you as the church should be the one investing in your culture of education, of teaching your children. I believe that it is you who should be reclaiming those things of this world that are the Lord's. I just looked at um, the sky as the sun was going down, um, and there was a song that was in my, This is my Father's world. I bless me in the thought. Rocks and hills. They're His. This is my Father's world. You as a Christian, as a part of His church, uh, should declare that openly. And you should live that way as believers with a changed heart. It is only by a changed heart that really comes the needed change that is important to make our culture change. So there is a diversity. I thought about the diversity of the body here. Um, I like Dave Petkew. Uh, I'll mention a couple of you. <laughs> I don't mean to be exclusive, but I just want to say um, how I'm amazed. Dave retired. Uh, I, man, I hope I don't follow his suit. Dave got here, and we had a little problem back there. <laughs> and uh, listen, Dave owned it. <laughs> he took retirement seriously. <laughs> he, he rewired the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I never cease 
to stop giving thanks of the gifts that God gives to His children in order to encourage them. And it may not be um, in the way that you think, but as I was looking at Scripture, I had a little verse uh, in, in Scripture here, and I wanted to read it to you. Let's see if I can get to it. It's this one. Yes. Um, no, that's not the one. Let's see if I can find it. Ah. For just as, this is in Romans chapter 12. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. Prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, who he leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Don't you like that? The, 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 just the list that, that is, is given, uh, going down that list, and uh, they, they're all different. And Paul had to teach uh, the Corinthians in such a way uh, because in Corinthians, there, as he teaches the same thing about the body of Christ, the, the unity of the body, but the diversity for them to honor one another in terms of that diversity. Uh, he used the example of the body. He says, the eye can't say to the foot, what? The eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. But uh, again, you're given that interesting picture of the body of Christ. And so when you picture this body, um, we know that something's not right if an arm is missing. We know that something is wrong if a part of the body is missing. It's not whole. It's not a normal thing. And so the body of Christ functions out of that diversity. And it's quite remarkable uh, to allow God to do His work in the life of His people in that diversity. But it also means that we should honor one another with regard to the gifts that God has given each one of us. Um, I had one brother who was very mild-mannered. He was very reserved. And uh, I remember after he had become a Christian for so so long, Roger Sloan, <laughs> Roanoke, Virginia, he just completed his 40th year as a deacon in the church in Roanoke. He came to me and said, Preacher, I know that uh, oftentimes you ask people to pray publicly. He said, But would you please not ask me? <laughs> he said, I... It's not that I don't pray, he said, but I, I just don't do that good in public. <laughs> and I thought, I thought to myself, Roger, yeah, you know, I, I love that. And he sent me a picture this last weekend. He has his table and he has his tomatoes and his squash and his green beans. <laughs> and I just love Roger. And he humble, humbly just served the Lord in the church 40 years. Lena told him, I'm not going to marry you unless you know the Lord. <laughs> I love Lena for that. She was, she was hard on that poor 
humble boy, <laughs> but he did come to know Christ, <laughs> and they were married. And uh, I rejoice every time I open a little note from them and see the love of Christ after all these years to see the love of Christ in their life. And I pray the same for Fellowship Presbyterian Church, that after all the years that uh, when I'm an old, old man, if the Lord wills, that I come through the door and I, I pray that I will see that unity and that love and that fellowship in Christ and that I will also see uh, the marvelousness of uh, your diversity. Uh, already the Lord has blessed His church in that way. And um, I love the picture that is given here and we almost need to come to this. Um, uh, there is one God and Father of all. Did you know I'm charismatic? <laughs> no, not really. I don't mean to put it quite that way because I know what that's going to envision in your mind. But did you know that I believe that God has given gifts to all of His children? I don't believe that there is one gift that is so special above another gift in the life of His people uh, that it supersedes. I have a gift that you don't have and therefore I'm better than you. I just don't believe in that kind of uh, charismaticness, but I do believe that the word charis comes from gift or grace, doesn't it? The Greek word. And uh, God, those whom He pours out His grace upon in salvation, He gives them gifts. And I don't believe that your gift necessarily in Christ has to be the same as mine. And I hope you always appreciate that, that Christians don't have to be little reproductions you know, I think we should um, have uh, church uniforms. Don't you think we should have church uniforms? Gaylene fixed us a logo so we can all wear the logo. Will you, you're on that? Okay. Uh, I'll pick out the sports coat and, uh, and the khakis. I like khakis. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God is not like that, that he's robotic? makes us all the same. The church would not be interesting <laughs> if, if we were all like that. And man has a way of wanting to do that. See, that's what the Taliban wants to do. They want people to dress alike. They want them to look alike. They want them to hold to the same things. And my dear friends, if you don't conform, they make you conform by violence. Isn't it interesting? The Scriptures tell us Quite the opposite <laughs> about how Christ works. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> opposite of, if you want to see the opposite of the world, look at the world. And then look at what Christ does. Isn't it marvelous to be a part of Christ's church? And I like the way he expresses it. It says, but grace, that is charis, the charismatic, but grace was given to each one of us. That was none of us excluded. But grace was given to us all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I like that. According to the measure. He doled it out just as he saw fit in Lonnie's life. <laughs> he did. No more, no less. <laughs> I like it. Therefore, it says, and he goes to Psalm 68. I think it's verse 18. And he gives an expression of this psalm. This psalm is a psalm, of, a psalm of victory. And then it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? 
but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who also descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might be filled with all things. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That passage in Psalm 68 is a, is a victory march. And when it says that he descended, uh, I don't think it refers to uh, him dying and, and uh, descending into death. I think that what it means, he descended to the earth. Uh, his incarnation, he came to the earth and he descended and he came here and he conquered death and he conquered sin. And it says that when he, I love the picture of when he ascends, he led captives. <laughs> when he, he went back to heaven, uh, that was the victory march. <laughs> that was the group of captives that he led captive who he had redeemed and he had purchased. And it's a beautiful thing. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And then it says he gave gifts to men. Isn't that beautiful? Picture of the church and of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ to us. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth, his incarnation. He who descended is the one, the Lord, the centrality of the Lord and the sufficiency of the Lord. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Talking about the ascension. And he gave. And then these are the gifts from Psalm 68. And he gave the, he gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And we say it's for purpose too, isn't it? To equip the saints. My dear friends, if we are preaching and teaching and we're functioning in the church and we're not being encouraged and uh, brought to the point in that spiritual uh, nature of the church to serve the Lord, then we may not be seeing it just the way we need to see it to be equipped. Oh, you know, somebody else will do it. You know, they'll do it. That's what they do. You know, the deacons, that's what they do. Well, would you be willing to help a deacon? <laughs> would you be? Or, or is the teaching and the love of Christ and His Word uh, equipping you to the point that you're serving Him better? Are you being brought to that position? And I would say that that's the proper function of the life of His church. And, and, and we need to stop. But you are Christ's church. You've been saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But you, the church, are Christ's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. My dear friends, walk worthy. You, do you hear? Walk, O church, worthy of your calling. Lord, we thank You for the life that You gave. Risen again, living, ascended at the right hand of Your Father. All rule and all authority are Yours. Father, we who are Your church belong to You. We are Yours by purchase. And we are children by declaration 
righteousness in Christ. Lord, thank You for Your people. Thank You for each one. For You have led us captive. You have given gifts to Your church and to Your people. Lord, we are grateful. We pray that as a result, our service to You would be pleasing in Your sight. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and evermore become even more mature Christians than You have called us to be today. Lord, watch over us. Grow us. Sanctify us. Lead us into Your service for Christ's sake.